Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. That's right, buddy. This is an Ask How to Money episode, Monday episode, and we've got five listener questions to get to today. A listener, he is wondering if he should pay off his car loan or not. We're going to hear from him. Another listener is asking why we like to focus on some of the, the small purchases in life in order to, to bring us joy. Why not the bigger expenses? Why not focus on those instead? Well, we've got a good answer for her, uh, and we're going to share our thoughts as to why it is we, we think that you should start with that. And another listener is wanting to minimize the fees that she's experiencing with her HSA. And even what is an HSA, Joel? We will uh, answer that. Plus uh, a couple of additional questions during this episode today. Nice variety. Variety is the spice of life. It's the spice of Ask How to Money Mondays too. So, uh, but Matt, real quick, before we start taking listener questions, I wanted to mention our good friends and guy who also works alongside us on the howtomoney.com website and mm-hmm. the newsletter. His name is also Joel because it's <laughs> the name of champions. 5AM Joel is what he goes by, the moniker he goes by online. And he was telling me the other day that he went to, he took his family to Vegas for a trip and I guess they stayed at some little resort with like a lazy nice. river and stuff. He's got a little dude, they had a blast. But He's in California and so I think the, uh, the LA to Vegas flights are like crazy cheap. Well, right? I think you can drive there in like four oh, or five really? hours. Yeah, I don't oh. think it's too bad. Oh, I didn't like realize the, it was the that. equivalent of, uh, I guess, driving up to Asheville for yes, us. Yes, exactly. Nice. So Vegas is an easy place to go for a little respite. And But he was telling me one of the ways that he massively decreased the costs of that trip was he went to a timeshare presentation. And <laughs> he didn't get a timeshare, fortunately. Nice. And this is something he's become a little bit of an expert on. He told me he's actually going to write something. Timeshares? On the website about this. Well, going to timeshare presentations oh. without <laughs> actually uh, letting the, the hook well, sink in. Okay, right? go ahead and share his experience, and then I'll ask you whether or not that it's cheap or not. Yeah, well, he was basically able to get a massively discounted vacation. All right. He he knew, like, and, and I think timeshare pres- presenters... They offer this uh, for a reason. They offer you an either like free stay at a hotel or a massively discounted stay at a hotel because uh, if you attend this presentation, because they know that a decent percentage of people are going to actually sign on the dotted line and buy a timeshare, which is not in their best financial interest. Like we would say, don't ever do a timeshare. They're they're bad news all around. Yeah, and and I would say ethically that he's in the clear as well because the timeshare presenter also knows that there are a certain number of folks who 
won't take the bait, who, who are going to say no, and that's just a part of the expense of that presentation. Yeah, which right? you've done before as well, right? Yeah, yeah. A long time ago. So. <laughs> so it's a way I was able to justify it. So that's why I was going to ask whether or not it's frugal or cheap, because I did this back, like I had just graduated college, and it was spring break. I was like the old guy that went, Kate and I were still dating at that point in time. Uh, but, you know, like right after school, I feel like your time is slightly less valuable uh-huh. to you, right? And so there were four of us, two couples, we're like, yeah, let's go to this free brunch. Uh, they're going to have mimosas. That sounds awesome. And also, we're going to get a $100 Visa check card or whatever, cash card uh, sort of thing that they're going to give us as well. So for us, it made sense. But at the current stage of life that I'm in, I don't, I, I'm not going to spend my time doing that. Yeah, well, I mean, every, yeah, agreed. I, but I it depends on the carrot that's da- being dangled in front of me. Because sure. if it's a, a free couple nights, I'm like, oh, well, shoot, maybe I will go to that presentation. But it's different strokes for different folks, and they're willing to endure different levels of pain in order to save money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes me think of some of our listeners who donate plasma to save money. And that is probably something I'm not going to do anytime soon. There is, like, but I had, I did that in college. Literal pain that you are <laughs> right. experiencing. Well, and just time. It's like, okay, it's probably not worth it for me at this point, the trade-off of money for time to go donate plasma, to drive down there, blah, 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 blah. You got to go twice a week to really make it worth it. And similar to this, like, is it worth saving a few hundred dollars to sit through this presentation, especially if all three of my kids have to be sitting there with me? No, not at this point. It's definitely not. But I like the ingenuity, and I think for some people it makes sense. And like I said, Joel is going to write an article for us on the site about this it. and give you kind of the do's and don'ts, the things you need to know. There's, It's kind of like signing up, actually, for a credit card. There's different things that you kind of need to know like you want to watch for you can Mm -hmm. only yeah and only you can only do it every two years with certain timeshare presenters or you can't do it with group travel (laughs) right because then they know oh wait no now you're trying to get your whole family in here for free but uh yeah we'll we'll post that on the on the website at howtomoney.com so yeah those presenters they know that you're you're playing a game yeah so yeah. because they're playing it as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a dance exa- yeah it really is so the beer that we're going to enjoy during this episode is a rainbow colored glasses this is by ology specifically out of tampa so this one was sent to the show by jamie uh thank you to jamie to her and her husband by the way she started her business debt free and she said she was able to use different tactics and things that that, uh, that we talk about here on the show did she start like a speech therapy that's right yeah uh business mm-hmm. so that's awesome i know super cool well, it's something we talk about too a lot of people think oh i need a lot of money to start my business and it's not that for some businesses you don't but the truth is a lot of businesses especially in today's day and age can be started without taking on massive amounts of debt oh, yeah. so the fact that that jamie was able to start her business debt-free is it rocks so yeah uh, th- totally thanks for this beer looking forward to, to drinking it and talking about it at the end of the episode yes we will but matt let's talk get to uh listener questions the and if listeners out there if you have a question you want to run by matt and i we'd love to hear it just go to howtomoney.com slash ask for simple instructions for how you can submit your own question but matt let's get to the first one this one is about trying to protect your minor child hey matt and joel this is mackenzie from massachusetts and i'm wondering if i should freeze my one-year-old child's credit i know you advise listeners to freeze their credit and i have mine and my husband's frozen i'm not sure though if you can even freeze your child's credit so any advice you have on whether i should do that and how to go about it would be great thank you all right, Mackenzie, thank you so much for submitting your question. And I've got to say, I think some folks out there might think that you're being paranoid for asking a question like this. <laughs> but we totally get what you're, uh, where you're coming from, and we think that you should be freezing your child's credit. This is a case in which paranoia uh, makes a little bit of sense. It and pays yeah. to be paranoid. <laughs> uh, Carnegie Mellon, they actually have performed some research. They found that kids can be up to 51 times more likely to have their identity stolen uh, versus adults. So I think this is a prudent move. Uh, I think one of the reasons for that is because no one really thinks to look into their kid's credit because they're just a kid. But those are social security numbers and names and identities that are unfortunately up for up for grabs but they're not supposed to have a credit profile right if they're under the age of 18 really and so i think that's why people assume that nothing nefarious could happen because what you know they probably don't have anything yet well somebody can create it and Mm -hmm. then devastate it right exactly yeah and so if not if you don't freeze your kids credit their scores could end up in the dumps it could even lead to not getting hired for a job if there is incorrect information there on the report Uh, it could lead to financial aid being withheld for college purposes so obviously there are these financial ramifications here but there's also sort of like the what i'm going to call the ick factor right (laughs) of a a, just a 
a no good for nothing criminal out there using your kid's name in order to advance themselves in order to benefit themselves so all with all that being said given what's at stake here we think it is well worth doing yeah. so not paranoid prudent like you said which i think is important to mention because it yeah there's a lot of potential disaster scenarios that could happen if you don't do this and sadly it's not just some unknown criminal oftentimes matt way off in the distance sitting in like like some nigerian prince or something like that there there is uh, it's often a family member that who does the dirty deed who opens yeah. up credit in the name of the minor family member which makes it even worse right it's something close to what three-fourths of the victims know the perpetrator so it's not just somebody on social media or some rando it's like an uncle or an aunt it's like yeah. terrible it's terrible to think that that's the case someone who's fallen on hard times and you give them the benefit of the doubt and they're thinking well this isn't really going to hurt anybody and then this will really help me out yeah i can imagine the different ways that you would justify it but that sure. does not make it or like oh, i'm going to pay this back before anyone mm. even notices yeah but yeah. then the child's credit is compromised and that can have an impact in their adult life but if listeners out there if they do have uh, older kids on social media be mindful by the way and monitor their activity because it's not terribly difficult for scammers to figure out their birth dates and other identifying information that's valuable in opening fraudulent accounts yeah. in their name mm -hmm. it's not all that hard to do and a research firm last year reported that identity theft affects over a million kids matt a million kids in this country yeah. leading to 680 million dollars in losses overall it it's again these numbers are kind of astounding this is a major problem but it's often not talked about like it is a major problem and so freezing their credit is the only way to 100 percent prevent any credit being opened in their name without you knowing about it. Yeah, that's right. It keeps that blank slate of a credit profile totally clean until they're able to get to the age where they're ready and when they're able to open up a legitimate line of credit within their own name. Because if they were to have some fraudulent uh, data reported there, the, the hassle of trying to get that fixed with the credit bureaus, it's pretty extreme, yeah. as you might imagine. It's a, a pretty big hassle. And it's also a hassle to actually get your kids credit frozen like <laughs> basically anything in dealing with kids and the credit bureaus is pretty difficult a lesser hassle but a hassle nonetheless exactly yeah so you've mckenzie you've done that already for yourself and your husband that's great you can basically do the same exact thing for your child although it won't be quite as easy uh, you can't do it online in about five minutes like you're able to to do so for you and your husband uh instead you're gonna have to send in some documents via snail mail bust out the stamps Lame. and the envelopes uh, and you're gonna have to send that to the credit bureaus in order to get this freeze in place uh, and you're gonna have to gather together some different documents as well uh, you're gonna have to have copies of your state issued id you're gonna have to have a current utility bill your kid's birth certificate their social security card as well along with a form that the bureaus are gonna provide so it's kind of like maybe equivalent it's on par with applying for a passport for your kids you're going to have have to have a lot of these documents yeah. before you're even able to freeze your kids credit at least you don't have to go stand in line right like you had to do <laughs> recently and you had that to time true. it and so that that could be a, a big time suck but just gathering this stuff up making copies sending it in that can be annoying for sure but we'll hopefully try to make it a little easier for you we'll link to the pages for all three bureaus equifax experian and transunion that give more detailed directions on how to freeze your kids credit we have an article on the website that kind of details why it's important and how to go about doing it but the good news is that a credit freeze whether it's for an adult or for a kid is 100% free thanks to federal law. So this this didn't used to be the case. It used to cost, uh, the credit bureaus used to charge individuals money to freeze their credit to protect themselves, which is really heinous in mm -hmm. retrospect. But uh, you know this is a better safe than sorry thing. I think it's worth your time, your effort to gather these documents and to make sure that your kid's uh, credit is protected. And since it's only going to cost you that time, not any money, getting those documents together, mailing them off, we say go for it. And you know make sure to mail those, by the way, certified mail. That way you're, you're going to get oh, yeah. electronic verification and delivery, which uh, is important since you've got sensitive documents flying around and to... Uh, receivers in the credit bureaus who aren't necessarily the most trustworthy. <laughs> so I would say send those via certified mail. That's going to protect you as as well. And I'm glad you're asking the question. I hope it helps a lot of other How to Money listeners who have minor kids and they're wondering, or maybe this wasn't even on their radar. Like, oh, do I need sure. to protect my kid's credit? Like, maybe you haven't even asked that question. But the answer is, is yes. And so um, this might get a lot of people kind of moving in this direction, Matt. 
That's right. Yeah. And again, we'll mention, uh, we'll link to the instructions for all three of those credit bureaus on the website within the show notes for this episode. But we've got several additional questions to get to Joel, including a listener who's asking about our philosophy behind the small purchases that spark joy. We'll get to that, plus a few others right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach. Do. Every single summer, we've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, let's keep going, Matt. We have more questions from How to Money listeners that we got to get to today. And this next one comes from a listener who's wondering whether or not he should pay off a car loan that he took out. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. This is Anand from Washington, D.C. For reference, we're solidly in money year six. Your recent episode on tax credits is quite relevant. Last year, we took out a loan to buy an EV, knowing that we'd be able to pay it off this year with the tax credits we got for the several things you mentioned in that episode. The EV, which we bought pre-IRA, solar panels, and a level two charger. The credit and the various other tax benefits meant we'd have enough to pay off the loan once we got our tax refund. That leads me to our question. Should we pay off our loan? With interest rates the way they are, our loan interest rate, which is at 3.375, is lower than the interest rate on our savings account with Ally, which is currently at 3.75. I know we should factor in things like the taxes we would pay on the interest we earn, but having the money on hand beyond what we already have in our emergency accounts, seems like the better play. What might we be missing that would make it better to pay off the loan now? Thanks for the show, and keep doing what you're doing. 
All right. Money Gear number six is where Anand is, which is totally awesome. Anand is living that electrified lifestyle. He got solar Uh, panels and EV. Like he went. He totally signed up. He went all in. (laughs) Exactly. He's buying into that electric future, which I think is great. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually curious about which uh, EV, which electric vehicle he chose, because I think the the Chevy Bolt, that still seems like it's the best deal in town these days. Mm -hmm. Although a few weeks ago, I've I've discovered that the Tesla Model X, that it's a seven seat and before I don't think I've ever truly been tempted to want a Tesla because I'm like it's not very practical you can't haul the whole family around but oh you can (laughs) (laughs) and so now I feel like I have to actually resist it a little bit there's a real temptation there's a real desire to at least look at what some of those Model X's are going for on the used market but given what's happened with new car prices and stuff the Chevy Bolt feels like the price tag it feels quaint in comparison it feels like (laughs) we're talking like 2015 prices or something like that Yeah. people the federal tax credit as well and for people who want to go electric that is like definitely one of the first cars you should you should consider if it yeah. works for your lifestyle. Yeah, well, and especially if you can find a dealer who will sell it to you at MSRP. A lot yeah. of folks, a lot of those dealerships are realizing that that is the most attainable. It's like the most affordable EV out there, and uh, I think it's gonna it is gonna meet a lot of folks' needs. And because of that, they're kind of jacking the prices up a little bit. Uh, but I think Anand uh, was was a little prescient in getting a loan back when rates were lower, because we have certainly seen those on the rise. But uh, as anybody who listens to the show knows, we are cautious about debt and car debt, especially, right? Because you're financing an asset that is going down in value, a depreciating asset. But it sounds like that Anand took this out, took this loan out with an end game in mind. It sounds like yeah. he's got a plan, and that I can appreciate. I yeah. like where he where his head's at. And you're right, fixed rate debt that is kind of low to moderate just looks better in an era of inflation when rates on savings have gone up and so Anand has benefited from that and his debt doesn't look quite as bad inflation is is kind of uh gently massaging <laughs> that debt to a certain degree and and it's true that that Anand's end game was to pay this loan off but now he's second guessing it because maybe it's not as bad of an asset as he thought mm-hmm. so should that still be his goal and I don't necessarily think so. I think, you know, Matt, of course, like we've talked about ad nauseum on the show, you can earn more in savings right now than, mm-hmm. than the interest rate that's going on on the debt. There's a there's a decent enough spread where it makes sense, I would say, to hold on to your cash, sock it in savings, and then keep that loan around for a little while. Anand said that his car loan is at 3.375% and that he's currently earning 3.75%. And that's not like a mega huge spread, right? So you, you wouldn't necessarily be doing it for the massive amounts of cash that you're going to be raking in. Right. It's, it's it's not something where anybody is going to get rich with number differentials like that. And some people who are stridently anti-debt, they might choose to pay it off just because of the principal, right? And even if those numbers were flipped though, and you're paying a very small percent in interest more than what you'd be able to, to earn, in savings, it could still potentially make sense to hang on to that loan because liquidity has real perks and the options it affords you could be worth a small amount of cost. And in this case, since you're actually coming out on top though, by by not paying off that loan, not to mention that banks are continuing to up the ante, they're raising rates on what they're offering in high yield savings accounts. I think the smart money move is to not pay off the car loan and to hold on to that cash uh, yeah. for the time being. Yeah, totally. I think, like honestly, at the core of it here, uh, like the main problem that we run into when answering a question like this is the theoretical advice uh, that makes the most sense, and then the follow through of actually implementing the strategy. Uh, very right? true. Very true. Yeah, it's it's not terribly difficult to see a, a higher rate of return, and then just make the choice to keep paying the loan as agreed, and you know to, to decide to go ahead and sock that extra money into your savings account. But is there a chance that you end up actually spending some of that money instead of saving it and earning interest You're off like, of that? Oh, money? look at my fat savings account. Maybe it's time for a vacation. Now I'm gonna go spend it. <laughs> exactly, because yeah. this plan it only works if you actually have. Have the equivalent funds set aside and earmarked in a high yield savings account, earning that higher rate over what you're paying out in interest. And so, that being said, considering you know, it's it does sound like that you take a very intentional and very proactive approach with your money, Anand. 
because of that, I think that this is a plan that you will easily be able to pull off. If you've got the discipline to sit on those funds, uh, then it, I think it does make sense to just simply continue to make those car payments. Yeah. And by the way, he's got a very good rate of interest, more than what most Americans are making. But Anand, if you want to make this an even better move, you find a, another place to store that money that pays you even more, right? We've talked about CD rates going up five plus percent on, on some of those CDs. So maybe you sock some of that money into a CD that's earning an even higher yield, and it makes that an even smarter move. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, for someone else out there, Matt, that's maybe not quite as intentional as Anand, and let's be honest, not everyone is, and at different points in your endeavor to learn about money and figure things out, you might not be quite to the point where Anand is. He's, he, it seems like he's crushing it. And the temptation to spend might be too real, and they might not be able to, they might say, oh yeah, I'm gonna put it in savings, but then they might have a hard time uh, not spending it in little dribs and drabs. Mm -hmm. And so then in that case, we would just say, go ahead and eliminate the car loan altogether. Paying off that debt makes more sense, especially if you're in like money year six, right? Where paying off low interest rate debt starts to make more financial sense. The same exact advice doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. So much of it depends on behavioral finance and the actual will and ability to follow through. The other consideration really is to take the psychological win that comes with knowing that you own your car outright, 100%. You you don't owe anybody for it. And you know then the, the aspect of our finances that's really difficult to properly weight, how much of a toll does knowing that you have outstanding debt, how much uh, of a toll does that take on your mind? So how debt weighs on you, for, uh, like in terms of a psychological burden is important to consider? Yeah, dude, honestly, this is something I feel like I've wrestled with before, like in particular when it comes to mortgage debt, because we know folks who have decided to pay off their mortgages, even though they're pretty low interest rate loans, they're oftentimes like 30 year fixed and they're wanting to take those those emotional often at like emotional, 3%. yeah psychological wins um, and that's something that I wrest, wrestle with personally because I know that I have mortgages on all my properties um, but I don't think about them but I know that they're there and so I wonder if I kind of have like this like low grade stress <laughs> like in the back of my mind even though I can tell myself that I'm not experiencing that but you don't really know until those are gone right yeah. like would Matt be happier if <laughs> if I were to go ahead and, and pay those off it's not something you truly I think ultimately get to know until you reach that point but well, that's something I think to keep in mind like to know yourself and to kind of wrestle with that and yeah, decide whether or not that that's something that you should pay off well, the flip side of that is often that you're emptying a lot of your liquid assets in order to mm -hmm. do that. And so sometimes that can make you a little off kilter as well, right? By, yeah. <laughs> by getting a lot rid of, factors of the liquid reserve and, and, and it's you start to feel maybe a little more at risk, a little more financially vulnerable. So yeah, that's but it's important to know yourself. You're right. And, and so this comes down to, in so many ways, it's a personal decision that you have to make about what's best for you and your family. And so it's part financial, part personal. You have to weigh both of those at the same time. That's right. All right, let's get to our next question. This is from a listener who has a question about the how to money money mission statement. Hey there, Matt and Joel. Good afternoon. This is Jen calling from Holland, Michigan. Uh, thank you so much for what you guys do. First and foremost, I am so grateful to have found your podcast. What a happy accident that was. Uh, your community is great. What you guys do is, oh gosh, attainable and applicable and um, just love it. Thanks so much for what you do. My question is in regards to your uh, how to money money mission statement worksheet that you all put together. I was curious about the question uh, you all asked, what was a recent small purchase you made that made you happy? Um, something along those lines. And I wondered why the distinction was made between a small purchase versus just any old purchase, whether big or small. Um, and kind of what you were hoping to extract from our brains in processing through, um, uh, you know, why we choose to do uh, with our money what we do with it. So thanks again, you guys. Have a great day. All right, Joel, real quick before we get nerdy with the money talk, let's let's get nerdy from a, a music standpoint, because she said that she's from Holland, Michigan, mm -hmm. and I can't not hear or see Holland, Michigan written out and not think of Sufjan Stevens, uh, oh. which is one of the, the tracks from his Michigan album. Ah, so for anybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for anybody up, A, 
I would make a recommendation for anybody who lives in Michigan to <laughs> to listen to that album because it's awesome. Uh, but B, anybody who's into like more acoustic, folksy kind of music, Sufjan Stevens' Michigan album. That's one of his best albums, too. It is so good. Maybe his best. It's so underrated, yeah. and so I wanted to get that out there before. My, my dad always makes fun of me for listening to bands like that. He uh, he says like... What, bands like what? Which is with weird names. Yes, oh, exactly. Okay. He's like, hey, well, Sufjan's how's very... that Sufjan guy? And I'm like, all right, dad, that's you're, you're old, but I love you. Well, it's, it's funny. Okay, it's okay that you listen to bands like America. Like, sorry, all the good names were taken, okay? <laughs> the Eagles. Chicago. The Doors. Yeah. All the... <laughs> The bands, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, he, he actually he makes fun of him his own name in one of his more recent albums. Oh, does he really? Yeah, he like there's a guy he ta- he writes there's a song and he talks about a guy that calls him Subaru. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember, remember that yeah. one? Yeah, from, I think that's it was funny. On Carrie Lowell. <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, it also I think in Holland, Michigan, is that where New Holland Breweries that does Dragon's Milk? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. Jen mentioned there were some good breweries. You know what's crazy? I'm, I'm actually going to be real close to Holland this summer um, because right. pick us up some beers. Yeah, yeah. So with my in-laws, they're gonna we're gonna sp- spend a little bit of time there on actual Lake Michigan, which is right near. I think it's like 30 minutes from Holland. You're just gonna have that Sufjan album oh, on repeat the whole way up. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's going to be nonstop. Uh, but let's get to Jen's question. Our money mission statement. This is a sheet. This is uh, like a worksheet that we created to help how to money listeners and readers to figure out their quote unquote why behind their money. We talk about money being a tool, not the actual end goal. And we think that asking yourself, uh, you know, some of these tougher questions will help you as an individual. It'll help you as a couple or even as a family. To funnel your money more intentionally towards the things that matter the most to you uh, and not on the stuff that the culture around us is telling us that we should care about. It's about centering your spending with your values. I think so many of our problems with money stem from the fact that we haven't done some of the deeper work to figure out the things that we actually care about. And so we're spending yeah. money's, money in the way that culture or the people around us, people closest to us are spending money, thinking that's what's going to make us happy. And it, it doesn't. And so we're like, man, what's wrong here? Well, what's wrong here is that we haven't kind of figured out our why behind money, which is deeply personal and it's, and it's different for every person. Right. And so if I think we'd think that doing this exercise, by the way, it's a free sheet. We'll link to it in the show notes. Totally. Print yeah. it out. It's two pages. Spend 30 minutes with it. And we think it can be helpful, but spend 30 minutes with it or a lifetime or a lifetime. Exactly. <laughs> Keep coming back to it. Cause like, yeah, your, your why is going to change over the years too. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago, but Jen asks a, a really good question about why, do we ask the question about small purchases in there? A recent small purchase that brings you joy. And it's true that big purchases can move the needle for us, right? But they're often not nearly as replicable. And so they're not something you're gonna be purchasing with a whole lot of frequency. It makes me think if you buy an expensive bike, a $1,500 bike or something like that, an e-bike, right? Which we are, we're fond of, regular bikes and e-bikes. And so you say, hey, that's a recent purchase that brought me joy. I think it's helpful to know that, but I think it's more helpful to figure out smaller things that you can continue to implement into your budget and say, boom, this $7 purchase, this $20 purchase, this moves the needle and it's something I can keep doing. Like compare mm-hmm. that bike purchase to something like a fancier shampoo, right? Which I'm not into fancy shampoo, but my wife is. That brings her joy almost <laughs> every, you know, every day when she showers. And so it, it just doesn't really cost much in the grand scheme of things. But if this can be kind of a craft beer equivalent, it means you're not settling for suave, like it's $1.50 or something like that. The extra 10 bucks, it really does provide meaningful happiness dip- dividends or whatever. You know, the, $1.50, more like 99 cents, man. Is it 99 like, cents oh, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. even with inflation? Oh, I, last time I bought suave. Way which, to go, suave. <laughs> keep up the good work. I mean, but these are the kind of things, like that. I, sometimes we're ashamed or we feel bad about buying the thing because it's like, that, there is a big gap in the price of that shampoo. But in the grand scheme of things, it's actually quite small. If that purchase really does light us up, it makes a big difference. Like our, we talk about this all, a lot on the show, Matt, our once a week coffee out. It costs us very little. But I get psyched about Monday mornings in mm. large part because I always it's like, look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to the office. We're, you and you and me were walking directly down the street to get coffee at one of our favorite shops. And if it's nice, we see neighbors, stuff like that. Uh, bike lights that don't suck. They make me happy when I hop on a, a morning bike ride. So it's just fun to look back at those little recent purchases and say, what moved the needle? And I think that can kind of inform a lot for us. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not that we don't want people to be cognizant of spending too much on everyday items where, where they're buying things that they might not need just on a whim because those tiny leaks add up. You need to be aware of those things. But we also want you to intentionally spend a little more on the stuff that you know without a doubt matters to you, especially the little things that don't break the bank, uh, but that really do spark some joy. You really are going Marie Kondo hardcore. Over there. <laughs> well, so I say this, I say the word spark. Uh, I'm being very intentional here because not only 
do these smaller purchases lead to just a relatively higher level of momentary happiness, right? But it can also be a way to get to know yourself a little bit better so that you can then begin to pursue some of the bigger goals in life. You know, it, like it can almost be this little toehold that will then allow you to to summit and conquer the the mountain of joy <laughs> that we're all hiking up. Uh, but like these small purchases are all about baby steps. Uh, I think it can just be overwhelming to ask yourself, like, what is a 10 to 15 year savings goal? Something that, that's really massive, that's going to move the needle in a massive way, in a big way. And by the way, we do include some of those bigger questions yes. inside of the, the survey as well. So you got to want to ask both at Ab the same time. Absolutely. But, you know, but if you haven't done any of that work before, I think simply starting with, What's an awesome small purchase that I made today? I think that will be able to, to more easily get the ball rolling. It can kind of get you pointed in the right direction, which can then lead to more unearthing. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like that. It's, it's that first bite to devour that elephant. OK, so it makes me think of another recent purchase I made, Matt, that I've been thrilled with. And it was a new pair of like hiking shoes, basically. And so it, it's funny your, when your Turex or yeah, whatever, whatever some Adidas brand version of shoes. And yeah. Joel's the new sponsor, the new, new Adidas. <laughs> <Right>. sponsor. Yes. <laughs> Drop Kanye. See a Kanye. Now I'm now I'm in charge. Find the how to money guy. Right. The uh, <laughs> they're going to be hot. The, those shoes, I think, with my face on them. But it, when I think about the three things I've mentioned, the little bit, the coffee that we go get every week, the bike lights or whatever, and then these the hiking shoes, it really actually those small purchases reinforce a lot of things I love and care about. And so they're purchases that not only stand alone as like a gadget or trinket, but they're reinforcing the hobbies that are meaningful to me. Exactly. And so I think sometimes yep. it can it can shine a light like oh. Oh, yeah, I'm really funding something beyond just that purchase. I'm fund, uh, funding my time on the trail. I'm you know, funding my, my time on two wheels or uh, social interaction at a place that I like, like th th that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So I do think it can be more meaningful than just a purchase. And I think sometimes naming those things can help us realize that. Yeah, yeah you can you can buy those things. But then if you feel that you're just making uh, like a thoughtless purchase, just pause for a second and ask yourself why. Yes. Like, why is it that I like to buy this thing? Why is it that I like to pay for this service? And that could then lead to some of these deeper, more meaningful values and, and goals that you might have for yourself. Well, on that note, I think the other thing that comes from asking this question is we might realize we might be like looking at our Amazon purchase history or something like that and say, wait a second, there's a lot of things here that either got wasted, I didn't care about. Wow, that didn't move the needle. Why did I spend money on that? If I had that 20 bucks back, I'd be really thrilled. Yeah, yeah. If, if you pause and say and ask yourself why and your answer is, I don't know. Well, then maybe that's not something you should be spending money on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you're a normal human being, like all the rest of us, like Matt and I included, this is the kind of thing that you'll probably realize you bought something you didn't necessarily need. Maybe it was in a moment of weakness when you're shopping online, or maybe you did your research, but just found that the item wasn't really for you. Yeah. But by focusing on those small purchases that are able to move the needle, by default, you should also be able to identify the purchases that don't move the needle and mm -hmm. you know look to different ways that you can minimize those expenses totally. moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So I've got an example of one of those things, something that didn't move the needle for me, which is Kate's got some nicer uh, kitchen knives that she enjoys using immensely when she is spending time in the kitchen. But also something that makes her happy is having those knives be razor sharp. And that is where I come in. I, uh, so I thought it would be a wise purchase to spend some money on like this Japanese whetstone, oh. like a traditional way of like sharpening. And because they're like they're Japanese knives that she has. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit more expensive than the run of the mill sharpener that you would spend money on, uh, like that you'd pick up at Amazon. And, you know, what I found was that I did not enjoy the process of sharpening that knife. I think in my mind, I thought it would be sort of like this, a process that I would enjoy. Like, yeah. like it, it would almost be like meditation or yeah. something like that. Like a manual endeavor sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what I realized by doing that, I was just finding myself frustrated with the task. And I realized that like, I don't want to spend my time. It was a glorified chore, basically. And I thought maybe by getting a nice tool, it would allow me to participate and to do that chore. But in reality, I decided that, no, I want to spend my, my time with my family, like yeah. doing other like fun things that create memories well, now you can, <laughs> as opposed to like now sharpening you can make your knives. kids sharpen the knives and it, just well, watch them do it. You know? I would if I knew where, where it was because you know where that sharpener is, the, uh -oh. the whetstone? Where? I don't know. Oh. Like literally, I don't. I don't know either. Because what I did instead was I bought the ten dollars sharpener off Amazon. And guess yeah. what? I use we use that like not. I don't want to say daily, but very often. Yeah. And it keeps the knives sharp. I'm happy. Kate's happy. I get that. I think a lot of my poor purchases have been. Oh, in theory, this sounds nice, but then in reality, I in don't practice. use it. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't use it the way I intended, or that. Uh, and, and it's just something that I become 
disenchanted with pretty quickly. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess what, I, what I'm realizing too with that example, it's not just a matter of discovering a waste of money, but I, I think I was able to discover that it was a waste of time for myself as well, which yeah. is an even more limited resource, you know, at the end of your life. The closer you get to your later years, your later years, you realize that time, it feels more and more tangible. It feels like something that's like slipping away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. To get really philosophical. Get really, all right, Jen, now you found out a lot more about Matt. He's really worried about time. I'm really scared about time. <laughs> but all right, we, Matt, we got more questions to do. During the break, you and I, we can chat about this and I can console you. <laughs> do you want to do some unpacking? Right, yeah, right, exactly. Right. Uh, but Just asking a bunch of why questions. <laughs> We've got a couple more good questions to get to. One about an HSA, one from a listener also who has, he's got extra money. He's trying to decide what to do with it. He's already crushing it. But then what do you do, what do, you do with the extra? We'll get to those right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we are back, and don't you worry. We've got a couple additional questions to get to here, Joel, including this question from a listener who's trying to figure out what she should do with an old HSA. Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Meredith from Chicago. I have an old HSA account from a former employer where I'm losing $3.50 a month in fees. I'm not currently contributing to it, so I'd hate to lose the amount I've already contributed due to those fees. I'm curious if you can lend any insight about how to avoid penalties if I were to take this HSA and move it somewhere else. Thanks. All right, Meredith, appreciate your question. And if you have been listening for any amounts of time, you know us, you know we hate fees. And so, I mean, they're the worst. And you're in this position now where you're getting perpetually feed to death and we want you to get out of it. So we, we, we like that you're thinking about this, that you're trying to make a move. It's definitely time to be moving your HSA elsewhere so you can eliminate 
the fees on that altogether. It's this it's like these slow vampire teeth slowly draining like, the lifeblood from your HSA. Yeah, little leeches with vampire teeth. Yes. <laughs> and the, 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 the great thing is, not only are you able to eliminate fees by moving your HSA elsewhere, but you're also, in all likelihood, going to be able to access superior investing options that are lower cost at the same time. So it's a double whammy. That's right. Investing. So there might be some uninitiated listeners who are thinking, what does a health savings account have anything to do with investing? That has the word savings in the name, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you guys are talking about investing. I don't Yeah. So HSAs, these are health savings accounts that were created so that you can divert pre-tax dollars over into it in order to pay for healthcare expenses, right? Uh, But while that's how they were intended to be used, fewer folks out there know that you can effectively use HSAs as retirement accounts which is our favorite use of them. Uh, they can be triple or even quadruple tax advantaged because the, the, the fourth is payroll tax that you're able to avoid mm-hmm. on money that you divert over into your HSA. Yeah, which uh, is not insignificant, really. No, yeah. And, and when you invest within the, inside that HSA and you leave it alone for, for years and, and even decades, you're going to reap significant financial re- rewards. It's going to really fatten your retirement nest egg. We've got an ar- article up on the site that we'll link to that really breaks it all down and explains it. But what happens if you leave your employer? Should you actually keep your HSA where it is or should you move it? Well, the odds are that the HSA provider that your employer works with is going to be similar to Meredith's, uh, where they're charging you fees that you don't need to put up with. Yeah, and that you should kick to the curb for sure. No no need to keep it there. Time to move it elsewhere to a place that doesn't want to slowly take your money from you, that wants to help you grow it. And so instead of having your, your nest egg whittled down month after month, move it. And it's not terribly difficult to do this. Like you're allowed to roll over HSA funds once every 12 month period. The first step is to find a new company where you want your HSA to go and then initiate the transfer. And the thing is, you should be able to do it easily online from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to go anywhere, stand in line, make it it a big to do. And there are really two companies that stand above the pack in the HSA world and they are uh, a company called Lively and a company called Fidelity. Fidelity is a company you've heard us talk about for a lot of years because they're one of our favorite just investing companies. If you want to open up a Roth IRA or something, mm-hmm. Fidelity's a great place to go, but they're great at HSAs too. And Lively basically only works uh, in the HSA sphere and they do an awesome job as well. Neither of these companies charge individuals any sort of monthly fee. No more losing $3.50 a month or $40 plus a year. They also have great low fee fund options for you to invest in as well. So either one of these companies would be massively superior to kind of where you're at now. Yeah. And Joel, you basically outlined how uh, like that trustee to trustee transfer works. That is the best way of going about it rather than having your current HSA provider cut you a check where the clock is ticking. Because if they cut you a check, like you personally, you have 60 days to get that money into a new HSA account before you're hit with a 20% penalty and you're going to be taxed on the full amount since it's considered a taxable distribution. Ouch. Yeah, so you don't want that to happen, so opt for that trustee to trustee transfer. Uh, And if your HSA money is invested like it should be, uh, like we talk about here, then you're going to want to do an in-kind transfer, basically where you are moving from funds that you're invested in with your current HSA provider to in-kind funds that are going to be with Lively and Fidelity, and they both actually support that. Uh, So that's something that should make it easier, depending on how easy your current HSA provider is to play with. Yeah. But those those guys, the the places you're moving it to, they should be a big help in actually getting your funds moved over, right? Totally. So, but for everyone, by the way, if you have a high deductible healthcare plan, then that makes you eligible for an HSA. And we'd really love to see you taking advantage yep. of the flexibility that it offers in order to sock away more for retirement and be investing those dollars for your future. And just be sure, by the way, to save any and all healthcare receipts and store them away on the computer. We outline that in the article that we have up on howtomoney.com. But but that means that medical expenses like co-pays, over-the-counter med- medications, and even the cost of counseling, you can pull money out for those things way off in the future, tax and penalty-free, dental cleanings, eye exams as well. But you kind of, if you want to maximize the use of an HSA to your benefit, you're going to need to do some decent record keeping in order to make sure that you're getting the, the best bang for your buck. That's right. So Meredith, we hope that gets you pointed in the right direction. Invest those HSA dollars and make sure you are with a low-cost provider who is not feeing you to death. Joel, let's take our last question. This one is from a listener, and he's trying to figure out what to do with some extra cash uh, that he is going to be receiving here at the end of the year. 
Hello, gentlemen. This is Jacob from Wisconsin in La Crosse. I have a question for you on where my wife and I should put uh, some extra money we have at the end of the year. So we currently make 110000 between the two of us. She has a car payment, it's around 400 a month. Um, student loans for me will come back into payment. You know, whenever that happens, it's going to be around 300 a month. We currently get a 7% match from our both our employers and the University of Wisconsin system. We max out uh, our FSA dependent daycare for our daughter, which is at 5,000. Uh, we both max our Roth IRAs. And in addition, we have uh, we, we try to put in 5K a year in our HSAs, and we get a $1,500 uh, allotment from the UW system for using that for the, uh, the HSAs. My question is, where do we put that FSA 5,000 when we go to get reimbursed in the end of the year? Any help on this would be great. Should we put it in account or savings or anything along those lines? Thanks much. Matt, I'm going to mention a P.O. box number that Jacob can mail this cash to. And uh, <laughs> preferably all in unmarked $5 bills. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. So he'll, he'll drop it off on your front driveway and greasy pennies. Uh, he lives in Wisconsin. To... It's going to be a drive, <laughs> Jacob, but it's going to be worth it. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, having extra money, always a good thing. And I like that you're, you're really trying to figure out how best to disperse these funds. Sounds like you guys are doing a good job with your finances, yep. um, but you're trying to be even more intentional and i think that's kind of the right mindset to have matt to kind of give every dollar a job and don't just like soak it in and start you know doing grubhub more often or buying random stuff here and there you, you want to be intentional with every dollar that comes into your life and and sometimes that does mean spending in awesome ways but if you start spending it in silly frivolous ways then you don't get to have as much money to spend for the stuff that matters he's got a seven percent match as well did i hear that right times two that's amazing. Him and his wife are part of, uh, it sounds like they're educators. They're yeah. part of the University of Wisconsin sounds, system or something like that. It sounds like they're well on their way to financial oh, independence, right? Yeah, that sounds super, very nice. Yeah. As somebody who's never had a match <laughs> before, to hear him talk about him and his wife having 7%, I'm a bit jealous, On top Jacob. of that HSA good for, good for you, dude. additional employer benefit that they're contributing, but then the employer contributes 1500 I mean, amazing. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it would likely be worth doing that without any sort of incentive, but boom. Jacob is kind of doing everything right, and he's got a little more extra to do something even better with. And and so, yeah, the, the extra 5K, Matt, it, it could go into savings to cover potential healthcare costs, right? Let's say let's say they are, are not investing those HSA dollars yet. They should probably be investing them and then have a little bit of a, a cash backup. And maybe this 5K they're bringing back in their life is, is good for that. I don't know, but I think there are other options to, too. To, to actually pay for any medical expenses out of pocket. Out of pocket, so they exactly. can leave that money in the HSA. Exactly, exactly yeah. yeah. I like that idea for sure. Uh, and Jacob, you know, we don't know when the student loan payments are actually going to resume still. And I'm not sure how much you and your wife have in savings right now, but shoring that up and, and having a nice little war chest there. So you've got a, a bigger cash cushion for when those payments do resume, likely late summer or early fall, that that would be wise. And if you're wanting to optimize fully, right, all the way, it sounds like you might not be maxing that HSA uh, completely. So getting the full $7,750 that you're allowed to sock away would be a savvy move with a portion of these extra dollars. Well, and but, what the max part of it, the what his employer contributes counts towards that. So it sounds like he might have an extra, what, like twelve fifty or so to toss in there? Yeah. yeah, so he's putting in five. It sounds like the employer is putting in 15. So it sounds like he's got twelve fifty left. But then beyond that, like, you know, like after that, maybe it's time to knock out that car loan. We already talked about getting rid of a car note earlier in this episode. But the only thing that Jacob didn't mention was the interest rate rate. So if it's a higher rate, then most definitely go ahead and pay that thing off. Uh, but if it's lower, then it's going to be up to you. Uh, you. Basically, you're in money year number six. You get to focus on some of those lower interest rate debts. But beyond that, you are going to start having some options at your disposal that maybe you've never had before. Yeah. And that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it's kind of a, an embarrassment of riches scenario, which, mm, I think, yeah. which I think is a good place to be. And you're investing in three different tax-advantaged retirement accounts, which is... I don't know, not many people are doing that, right? And so it's not like you need to put more effort into that space if you don't want to. So this would really be a great time for you and your wife to sit down and think about your family's bigger medium-term goals mm -hmm. and funnel some of these extra dollars towards saving up for those. Because with savings rates being up in a big way, student loan payments coming back, high-interest savings or, or CDs, those seem like a, a solid spot 
to at least put the money for now while you're having some of those convos. And then, you know, after those conversations, you might just decide that retiring sooner is the goal. And it's like, yes, let's put it in taxable brokerage accounts, right? That's the best next step for us to invest even more. Three tax advantaged accounts is not quite enough for the, for the, <laughs> for the sturdy goals that we have set for ourselves. We're going to retire in 10 years. Right. And which might be really might, what you want. Yeah, it, that might be the case. Which is them. cool, which is so cool. But, you know, you could also say, you know what? We're doing just fine on the investing for our future and, front. And we don't want to retire. We yeah. love our jobs. We want to be educators or whatever it is that they do for the next 20, 30 years. And you might have listened to our millionaire who wants to be a millionaire episode <laughs> last week. And you might have said, you know what? That's a good point. Maybe I am like doing enough and I don't need to overdo it. And I should pull back and enjoy a little more in the here and now. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe taking a vacation uh, with, yeah. with our kid. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's a great place to funnel this money. And you wouldn't be remiss to do that. Uh, you're, you're still doing just fine. You, I think you're going to be able to meet a whole lot of impressive money goals, even if you opt not to optimize everything and invest even more for your future. Yeah. So I think where Jacob's finding himself is that he like they are transitioning from knowing exactly without having to think too difficultly about what they want to spend their money on to like the world is their oyster. Like everything is at their fingertips and they can start kind of dreaming big. Like in my mind, it's almost like a trickier task because prior to this, it's more about crunching the numbers. But he's at the point now to where they can really think through just some crazy audacious goals that they might have for themselves, which sort of like we talked about earlier, the why behind your money, it takes a little bit uh, of unearthing. It takes a little bit more personal work to determine and discover as a couple and as a family what it is that you want to pursue. And I think when you have options like that, it can be daunting. I think it can feel a little intimidating to think, well, shoot, what what do I do after this? Because up until now, it's been kind of like on cruise control almost like there are a, a set number of steps but you're at the point now to where it's a more of a choose your own adventure and you've got yeah. several options laid out before you i don't want to pretend like i know jacob or i know his like personality <laughs> style or how he rolls but i think for some people don't don't give out the po box number again. <laughs> right. yeah. but i think for some people it's easier to have your nose to the grindstone and to be funneling all that money into investments it, i know that person because i i have been that person at different points in my financial journey and so it, it is important to sometimes to Take your nose up from the grindstone and to look around a little bit and say, money is not the end goal. What am, what, are, what are our end goals and how are we going to use money to best help us achieve those? And yep. you're, you're putting enough aside, Jacob, where you shouldn't feel compelled to put more aside for your future. And you might want to because that might be the end goal. But so much of it starts to now reflect what are your end goals? We're not just getting our ducks in a row. Your ducks are in a row. So now you get to kind of really uh, be choosy about what you want your life to look like. Yeah, now your ducks can take flight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do ducks fly? Uh, some do. Yeah, yeah. Like, some of them don't, right? I remember duck hunt. Like, oh, that's fly, true. across the screen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jacob, it's, it's not often... It's penguins that don't. <laughs> penguins do not fly. Yeah. And again, we don't know your full situation, but it's not often that we're telling folks to consider actually saving and investing less of their money and instead to be thinking through some of the creative ways that you could spend that money, assuming, of course, that it aligns with your values. But Jacob, best of luck to you. And Joel, let's go ahead and get to the beer that you and I enjoyed during this episode. This was a rainbow colored glasses, a beer named after your personality type. (laughs) I think so. All of uh, my personality beers are like the ones from Burial, where it's like the eternally condemned termite of death. Yes. I'm not a pessimist. Uh, I'm just a realist. <laughs> yes. You tend to see the world through rainbow colored glasses. Or rose colored glasses, some people would say. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's rose colored. Yeah. I, I guess I saw rainbow colored glasses in a minute. I, Which, just, I like the name for this. Yeah, 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 this yeah. is a Sherbert style beer. And I don't think I've ever had a beer that had this kind of flavor profile. It, it definitely tasted like Sherbert ice cream, but in beer mm-hmm. form. And to me, I don't know, that was that was joyful. It was this lovely combination of sweet and sour. So yeah. I, I dug it. With I, a nice little bit of effervescence from the carbonation yeah. as well. It made me feel like I just got that I'm walking away from the ice cream truck. Like it's, you know, it's warming up here. And as a kid, you remember hearing the music playing, you run out to the street, you get your ice cream. Or in this case, the the fruity variety, sherbet, which you're, you're saying sherbet, yeah. which is a popular pronunciation, but... Uh, but the wrong one? <laughs> you, no, not, no, I think a lot of folks say sherbet. Okay. Sherbet versus sherbet. I always say sherbet. 
Well, that's how By the way, I, I think everyone's going to hear the, the dogs barking there in the background, but it's just the price we pay to record in a lovely residential area, yeah. <laughs> whether it's leaf blowers in the background or the neighbor's dogs. That's true. Yeah, it happens sometimes. But yeah, no, I like this beer a lot. Big thanks to Jamie and her husband for sending this yes. one away. If you're ever down in Olo- uh, in Tampa, go well, to Ology. Tampa specifically, because Ology had a different location, and Jamie was saying that her husband led or spearheaded the Tampa location, yeah. which is awesome to yeah. hear that they're expanding. So. For sure. Yeah. And or have expanded, I should say. Delicious beer. Looking forward to it. We got one more that Jamie sent us that we'll have on the next episode. So, speaking of that, Matt, until next time. Yeah, let's get out of here before the dogs start barking. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> made, made me crazy. So, uh, thanks, thanks everybody for submitting your listener questions. If, if you're listening and you're like, I've got a money question, I want to ask Matt and Joel, well, you can, we'd love to hear from you. You can just shoot it our way at howtomoneypod at gmail.com or you can go to howtomoney.com slash ask for the simple instructions to submit your question. But, Matt, that's it for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.